Welcome listeners to another episode of the No Limit Football Podcast. Doc here, this time hosting, and we've got a packed schedule in episode 10 of the No Limit Football Podcast, where myself and Sanister and Rahal will be discussing a number of contemporary topics that's been happening in the world of football over the last couple of weeks or so. So let me introduce you listeners to Sanastat. Sanastat, how you been? I'm good, man. How you been? I'm absolutely fine, uh, Sanastat. It's just uh, the weather's cooling down where we are at the moment and uh, things are being, uh, being a bit more pleasant where you can do outdoor activities, you know. Uh, because, you know, in this region, Sanastat, it's just so hot. Uh, sometimes when it comes to the summer, you don't really want to leave the house and stuff. And we're going to be coming on to discussing what, what we've been doing. Yeah. Yeah, it's 24 degrees uh, today. Yeah, and that's that's actually pleasant in this region. So, uh, yeah, it's good good to know you're keeping well. And uh, Rahul, how you be, how you been? I'm good, man. I'm good. Thank you. Um, like you said, um, the temperature dropped quite a bit, so we can do a lot more. Even, you know, we... Had a little adventure yesterday. I'm sure we'll talk about it um, later on in the podcast. And, you know, we were saying how it's actually quite enjoyable now and we can go about and do stuff. So it's nice. Uh, it's, it's nice to attend even matches and stuff. So it's good. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to the episode. So, yep. Okay, so listeners, in this episode, we're, begin- we're going to be covering as an introduction, okay, something that Rahul was just speaking about now. And that's our experiences of watching some of uh, the Saudi Pro League's uh, big games uh, live in the stadiums. We're also going to be discussing the Premier League review at the quarter point because, uh, listeners, we're at the 10-game point in the season. And we're going to be reviewing uh, Man City, Arsenal, Liverpool, United, Spurs, Newcastle and Chelsea, as well as some of the other teams as well. We're also going to be discussing the No Limit Football Podcast Team of the Weeks, okay? And that's one of our contributors, one of our main uh, contributors on this podcast. Um, and uh, we're going to be discussing how has he got it right, some controversial picks that possibly he's made. Talking about passing away with one of football's legends as well, Bobby Charlton. We'll give a quick overview of the Champions League and we'll also be talking about Cristiano Ronaldo's form in the Saudi League. So, first of all, um, now you guys, you went to a match um, a couple of days ago, okay? We all went to a match yesterday that was a top four clash at the King Fahad International Stadium in Riyadh. And uh, the atmosphere was absolutely electric, but we're not going to focus on that just yet, okay? Because I understand that you guys went to a match between Al-Hilal, okay, and uh, Al-Khalij in Riyadh. So uh, what was your guys' experiences? Uh, First of all, let me ask you, Sanastar, what was your experience? Yeah, I enjoyed it, to be honest. It was not a big game. I mean, it was a comfortable win for Al-Hilal. But what I liked about it, man, the atmosphere. Atmosphere was something special. I mean, Al-Hilal, they got this thing called the Blue Power. And you can see their fans just chatting from the first minute all the way to the 90th minute, man. I mean, it was an absolutely great experience. Now, just on that, Sanastar, okay, I'm just focusing on uh, not yesterday's match that we attended, but I'm talking about the match between uh, Al-Khalij that was at a different stadium. Yeah, that, 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 that's the match I was talking really? about. Yeah, it was at a different stadium. It was at, Yeah, yeah. The atmosphere was good. The atmosphere was good. I mean, when you're talking about the match, it was a one-sided game. It was more like a friendly. Okay. You know, it wasn't a big game. It was like, I mean, 
about 7,000, 8,000 uh, fans. Uh, the atmosphere was great still because uh, they got this thing called the Blue Power. It's not better than yes- yesterday's game. Yesterday's game was something different. Uh, you know, it was a 1 0 to Al Hilal. Al Hilal won't even in game one. You know, they just won the game 1 0. That's it. Michovic scored. They didn't even sweat. I mean, Al Khalid didn't really turn up, did they? I mean, Rahul could tell you that. Yeah, just I'm on sure. that, you know, even before we get in Rahul's views, and perhaps Rahul, you can you could talk about this a bit, yeah? Because from my understanding, we know Sunnestar, we know, you know, we've been around with him, and when it comes to, you know, 8 o'clock uh, p.m., then Sunnestar's got a internal body uh, clock that, that makes him shut down. <laughs> yeah. so. Hey, listen, that's offside, man. <laughs> that's offside, man. You can't be doing that to me, bro. Uh, but anyway, no. I'll, I'll, I'll give you your moment. your flowers, man. You, you could, you could you, your moment right now, man. Yeah, nah. nah it's, you know, it's, 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 it's just strange, isn't it? It's a real, you know, but that on the side, yeah, you know, not talking about that. You had a slightly different experience because from my understanding, Rahul, that you've been to quite a few matches uh, in this region. Um, but this is probably the first match that you visited, you know, post uh, the investment that's been done by the, many of the big four, a few other teams as well that have come in and trying to put Saudi Pro League on the map as well. But your experience in terms of atmosphere for the match between Al-Hilal, okay, which is the biggest club in Saudi Arabia without a doubt, okay, and Al-Khalij, which is one of the lower uh, tier teams in the in the Pro League, was slightly different in terms of the quality of football. Okay, so I would, you know, I want to get your perspective, and I want you to share your experiences with the listeners, and then we can possibly talk about how that perception changed with yesterday's yesterday's match. Okay, um, I think um, I've got a, like you said, a quite a different experience to um, to Sonasta in the sense of I actually was very disappointed with what I saw. Um, obviously, this is the game uh, where Hilal played uh, Club Khalid, right? One thing I've realized how is like Saudi football, even though they're making you know great strides in terms of developing the football, the investment that they're making, it still has a. I realize how far it's actually been it's behind in terms of football and football in the country. But I'm sure the people, you know, the movers and shakers, they have a strategic plan in how they want to develop it. So I know they must do, but I just, but I didn't realize how big of the gap is between the top four clubs and the other clubs. It's you know, in the Premier League, you can easily get a uh, you know lower league club outshining uh, a you know top four club. You know, you see Wolves, you know, they've had the better of most of the top four clubs this season. Maybe they didn't beat them, but they've had really, really, you know, most of the, the game. Liverpool for the run of the money, United, um, and the other teams as well. So Brentford, Brentford well, you know, one. so, you know, Brentford, there's some really, really good teams. They might be fighting relegation, but there's no guaranteed three points for sure. Um, so my experience was quite different. So this club, Al Khalij, this was actually uh, meant to be a home game for them. Um, even though it was in Riyadh, I, I don't know what it is. If, if they don't have a stadium or or they just don't have the fans. The game was actually played in Riyadh, number one. There wasn't, from what I remember, as soon as that you can confirm this, I didn't see a single Khalid fan there. So when I say, like, you know, I think they're in um, yellow tops. I didn't see a single yellow tops. Uh, at all so 
you know, just, uh, just to for that reason, I was just to sorry to cut you off, uh, Ruho. You're right. Actually, you know, the biggest problem in Saudi football is that there's only four teams that have large following, which is Al Hilal, Al Nasr, Etihad, and Al Ahli. That's a that's the biggest issue. And then there's a lot of teams that will go to Riyadh or will go to um, Jeddah to play those teams. You know, for the fans' sake, because Al Khalij are not from Riyadh. They're actually from the eastern province, from a city called Al Hasa. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Right. So yes. Yeah, so obviously. So yeah. So obviously, I, I'm, I'm. That's one thing I identify. They don't have fans. So it's a, which is a, which I see that this needs to develop. Obviously, the stadium was like two thirds empty, which I was quite surprised. You know, even though um, Hilal is probably the biggest club in Asia, right? And um, it's definitely the biggest club in Saudi Arabia. Won the most. And the stadium was like two thirds empty, which I actually found quite embarrassing a little bit. Yeah. You know, um, then you got. Um, let me ask you a question, Rahel. Go on, go for it. Go yeah, for it, go sorry. for it. Sorry, let me ask you a question, Rahel. Do you think that's because Neymar wasn't playing? He got an ACL, obviously playing for Brazil. Do you think he would, there would have been more fans if Neymar was, was playing? Because I was hoping to see Neymar. Um, I think, um, Sona, you're doing a great job. Obviously, you're very protective of Saudi football because you have a lot more uh, interest in Saudi football, which is fine. I totally get it. But I'm just trying to play the middle person, play the devil's advocate here and just put some of these questions in. I'm not, obviously, you know, we'll get onto the yesterday's game. It's a completely different environment, atmosphere and, you know, a lot of positives about it. So I'm just trying to put some questions out there, things that we should be considering. Um, in terms of the Saudi Pro League, in terms of how much it needs to develop. So, for example, we had a lot of uh, international players playing for in Hilal um, when we went to play, watch them against Khalid. When Ruben Nevers was playing, um, Savage was playing, Kolebale was playing, the Bono, the keeper was playing, Mitrovic was playing. I might be wrong, but from what I saw, these guys were even breaking sweat. I'd love to see, for example, what kind of distance Nevers was covering in the Premier League and what kind of distance he covered in um, against Club Khalid. I'm convinced it's like at least half. I It just felt like they weren't even breaking sweat. I get it, the quality of opposition wasn't great, but Hilal only won 1-0. It's not as if they were hammering them and it was a whitewash. It was nothing like that. It was just 1-0. So that... Uh, Club Khalid just needed a couple of counter-attacks and one chance to go with them and they would have drawn. It starts if like, you know, t- um, the uh, Hilal were just battering them or it wasn't even that. That's what I'm trying to say. So I was just a bit really surprised in the quality of football. I know it will develop. I get that. But just the players didn't seem that interested. I might be wrong. I really might be wrong. Maybe I saw a different game compared to you, Sonosta. But I just was bit disappointed of how much development it needs the actual you know the in terms of people attending the games in terms of for example even like you said okay is it because of Neymar not there if I don't know um, uh, Arsenal the main player who, who is it I don't know um, Odegaard didn't turn up the stadium's still going to be full right so I obviously I'm not trying to compare to Premier League Hilal's still the most um you know, the most popular club in the country. So I just thought the stadium would be a lot more 
you know, packed than what it was, you know, last week. Compared to yesterday, it was a different story, like I'm saying. So I'm not saying I'm, it's every game is like that. On a side note, I'm just saying, like, um, you mentioned clearly how only the four clubs, uh, the four big clubs have um, fans. Then I was, I was watching, I was reading upon how Etifa came to Riyadh the other day. They played Club Riyadh or something. And literally, there was apparently there only 700 fans in the game. Imagine that. Stevie G, managing team. They got players like Henderson, Genie, Genie playing for them and other players playing for them. They play, they, these players used to play for 60,000, 70,000 every single week. And now they're playing under 700. How can it even... I know post-match, you know, they're going to say good thing about Saudi football, but how could they defend that? You know, I'm sure they didn't sign up for to play under 700 people. You get, you know, in UK, clubs um, who are playing in the ninth tier, you know, I saw so Bury versus Widdenshaw, a great Manchester uh, classic. They had 4,000 people. You know, ninety-year game, it's, it's, and this. Sorry, sorry, sorry to cut you off, uh, Ruha. It's it's actually early days to 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 say these kind of things because you no, have no, to no. understand they they go they shifting from they're gonna try to get sh- uh, shifted from those kind of uh, um, you know um, they're gonna reduce the cap sooner. But you have to understand now this is the first season of Saudi football. It's not gonna so become. No. It's not gonna. It's not going to be you know, as easy as or as improvement as you think it is right now. Right now, obviously, they invest. We all know PIF invested in four clubs only, but it doesn't mean the other clubs will be able to buy uh, the, they won't be able to buy players soon. Soon you'll see the gap being reduced, you know, once they go. Sona, I totally, I I told, uh, sorry, Doc, my, 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 my final point on this, sorry, my final point, sorry. I'm, it's not a criticism of the Saudi League. I just did what I'm trying. My point is I didn't realise how how much work that needs to be done and how far I was behind. I knew, obviously, the league wasn't great in the sense in that sense, but I just didn't realise how much work that needs to happen. That was That's my point. Okay. Now, just looking at that point, okay, there's a the num- number of angles and observations here. Now, Rahul, obviously you're talking about from a personal viewing experience by going to the stadium and watching, you know, one of the biggest teams in Asia, uh, definitely the largest, the you know, the, the biggest team in, in most successful team in Saudi Arabia and one of the teams that are not as successful in the league as well. And of course, there's a disparity in terms of level, fan base, uh, quality and things like this. And I understand that with any development in football leagues, that there's a lot large investment there. Like in anything, it does take time. But the point is now, let's just shift our way to yesterday's match. But even before going on that, you're talking about, for example, not one t-shirt available. Okay, now it's not easy, easily accessible to get shirts for other clubs, okay. I support Wahda. I still have my top from 2009, from 18, actually, away top. And I'm, you know, I don't want to give that away because it's quite difficult unless you go to the club shop and buy it. It's not difficult to get the sizes available and stuff like that. So this merchandising thing is quite important as well. Now we're talking about merchandising. The clubs actually having this social media followings and things like that. We've got to cast our way back to even availability of these type of things there's a famous issue of you know a lot of fans saying that after liverpool won the champions league in 2005 the next day which should have been the most profitable for the club to sell shirts the club shop 
uh, in Liverpool L4 Anfield was actually closed. Okay, so you know it, it it can happen. So the point is that it does take time for this to develop. Okay, people not breaking a sweat; they're only playing who's in front of them. I understand that. But shifting our way to yesterday's experience, which was a complete different one, when you had Al Hilal who are currently top, and before the match. Uh, Al-Ahli, who got promoted, but they are one of the largest clubs in Saudi Arabia from Jeddah. Uh, they were fourth at that point. And uh, they played in the King Fahd International Stadium. And I believe the capacity is quite big. Now, this is, was a different experience. Now, Sonabara, you were in the away stand, okay? And there were 6,000 away supporters in the, in the stadium. Now, usually when it comes to Premier League, okay, when it comes to a big um, football match like this, I'm not sure, but I think it's maybe about three or 4,000 traveling fans to do actually come. So that is actually something that should be credited for. Now, your, uh, it was there. There were flares there. It was absolutely crazy. And anybody who's listening as well, check out our social media posts because we did post a lot. Of, we will be posting a lot of stuff if it hasn't been posted by this time this episode does go out. So, Sunabara, you were sitting with the Ahli stand, Rahul. I was sitting next to you in uh, with the Hilal supporters. Now, let's talk about the pre-build-up, walking to the stadium, hearing the mad chants before the match, even a ball has been kicked. What was your experience sitting with the Hilal supporters? Because none of us who are on this podcast at the moment have uh, are actually supporting the clubs that we went to watch yesterday. What was your experience sitting with, uh, you know, your enemies, I could say, because you support Al-Ittihad. So what was your experience of sitting with the travelling fans? Uh Wow, man. Wow. I'm telling you, man, that is an atmosphere and a half. You know, that was, they're so passionate, you know. You know, like my cousins they, who grew up in Jeddah, they actually told me that uh, Al-Hilal, actually, sorry, Al-Ahli actually are the best fans in Saudi Arabia. And actually most of the chants that are made in Saudi Arabia comes from Al-Ahli. Did you guys know that? Like mo- most, most other clubs will copy them. Yeah, you know. Oh, no, I didn't know that. You know, I thought like, it was originating yeah. from the other the rivals. Your team, it's hard. No, 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 no. It actually comes from Malahli. You know, they're the one who invented some of these chants, and then people would replicate it, and you know, would custom it to their own clubs. I mean, that was amazing, man. The flares, the chants. They were chanting for, for. The, I I was actually the only disappointment was man is that I wish if Al Hilal didn't score the first minute because they would have been chanting f- in, for like. Another 45 minutes. Even after that, they start chanting and chanting and chanting. And then when uh, uh, Mendy saved the, the the penalty, I mean, they start chanting. They start getting that energy back again. I remember you the know? reaction of that because we were singing with the Hilal fans and the reaction of uh, Mendy's save was quite crazy because you could see animated from yeah. the other side. And it's just like... I, f- know, I thought a comeback would, would have yeah. happened. I thought a comeback yeah. would have happened. You know, because on, El Hilal was only losing... No, sorry, Al Hilal was winning one 0 and then I thought, you know what, Al Ahli might do a comeback, you know, because they 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 know they started to get motivated and they start to have a bit more agency in the game, you know. I thought they would have uh, um, scored and won the game. Actually, would have done a comeback. Uh, unfortunately, that didn't happen. I mean, for me, it's like yeah, but I just I enjoyed the atmosphere. The atmosphere was actually I don't know, is it me? I don't know, you guys were sitting in Al-Hilal's Al- Al- uh, side. I felt like Al-Ahli fans were more louder than the Hilal fans. Yeah, this is interesting. And Rahul, you can you know comment on this before, you know, um, after I just make this point. point Because I was walking in the stadium with you, okay? And you know, when we, before kickoff, we got there like 10 or 15 minutes. We were walking in before kickoff and stuff. 
and you know obviously we're looking for the gate to get in and stuff and you had all of these blue scarves people selling them blue t-shirts around but i remember the chance from the the green section which is an ahli section and the chance were loud and i was thinking this is actually quite astonishing to find traveling uh, you know supporters singing so loud before the kickoff and you know your perspective of uh, that goal savage scoring in the first minute um obviously dampened the atmosphere slightly but while we were walking towards uh, getting into the stadium uh, just in the precincts or the vicinity of the stadium i mean you saw lots of families around you know you had dads with like you know twin girls wearing neymar shirts on the back door literally about two or three years old you know struggling to walk in with their dads but they were so excited okay we got to our seats and you know i mean how was the atmosphere now talking about not only the atmosphere Rahul, but also the quality of football and how did that basically re- revive your faith that this could be actually something uh you know something quite big um coming on to the next few years yeah um like i said um obviously i heard a lot of good things uh from yourself and sonasta and other people that we know um in saudi arabia how they said this is going to be a big game and you know ahli fans and etihad fans they known for the passionate fans so i was actually looking forward to it i was, I was t- you know i actually had hope and um because obviously i've seen some of the games as well and i knew the atmosphere would be completely different and you know whatever i was hoping for i would definitely got that it was a completely different vibe to the you know game that we went with um hilal versus khalid so this vibe was different it's what you expect it's probably up there with some of the greatest games um or in term in terms of atmosphere um across the globe uh, you could put it up there with some of the greatest games in terms of the uh, atmosphere that they create so the vibe the flares uh, you know the chance the quality of football as well like i said i think you know the players that you expect to turn up they did turn up you know savic scored in the first minute mares he he had his like beautiful touches you can see it um you know mendy even scored a penalty yeah he considered an own goal maybe not his fault he saved a penalty you know some of the big players that you expect the hood to turn up they did turn up and you can see it's a completely different game so obviously the opposition uh, plays a big part in terms of motivating the players for sure but like i said you know sonasta you know uh, clarified a lot of it we were sitting sitting with the hilal fans and the vibe was beautiful the chanting the you know the waving the, the scarves and um you know in a good way taunting the ahli fans it, yeah it was completely different and what you expect and i hope this kind of atmosphere can be created with even the smaller teams and you know other other teams it doesn't have to just be a top 4 uh, club game L- let me just add a point to that uh, sorry doc yeah i completely agree what ruha was saying regarding it's only the top 4 teams that are good in saudi arabia obviously that's something they need to work on on the other teams for your ittifaq your ta'awun your khalij your fatah so once those teams also come up and start building their own fans you'll have like you'll have a, not just a great atmosphere but you'll have a competitive league so one point saudi football needs to work on is that you know we we want to go to a game for example al ittihad versus al al fath and we don't want to ex- expect that al ittihad to win there has to be a chance for the underdog so hopefully that happens you know 
that that thing we need uh, to see. Yeah. Uh, doc, doc, quick point. Can I just make a last one? Quick point, sorry, quickly. Um, no just uh, another game that we go into. Um, some of us are going to. I'll be going for sure. Is uh, Nasser versus Etihad in a cup game uh, this coming week? So I think that's a different env- environment. The whole hype around uh, Cristiano is going to be playing, hopefully, and stuff. So that's a different, a completely different one. So let's see how that goes as well. So uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it in the next episode. So you're at Tifaki for that game, yeah? <laughs> no, he's actually Nasrawi Nas- uh, supporter. Okay. He's that's his uh, okay. team, isn't it? Yeah, um, but it's going to be interesting. Um, Rahul, of course, to anybody you know, check out uh, Rahul's social media at Rahul R Khan. Um, Twitter, check his Twitter account as well as Sanastat. Sanastat, what's your handle again on Twitter? Sanastat. At Sanastat. Okay, there you go. Quite s- simple as hey, that. Hey, Doc. Yeah. Doc, let me ask you a question, yeah. man. What does that stadium remind you of? You know, uh, you know what it is? I tried to, I, I was, was going to make a comment about it. I'm not sure exactly what it reminds me of, but all I can say... I'm going yeah. I'm, I'm to tell you. Yeah, go on. I'm going to tell you if you don't know. Yeah. No, uh, go on, tell Do me. You know? No, tell me. Go on, go on. Let me, I want to know your opinion first. No, no, you're going to have to just uh, tell me you know that because I don't have a thought on this. Hey, that's the stadium where Romario Ronaldo scored a hat-trick in the Confederation oh, yeah, scored Cup a hat-trick, yeah. in 1997. Yeah, bro. yeah. Hey, we were in the same stadium, bro. Yeah, you know what it is? Actually, that thought did come across my mind yesterday and I thought, you know, if I was here in 1997, I would absolutely been a joy to watch those two score a hat-trick course, each man. in the same match. Yeah. But, you know, just from... Confederation final. Bro. Yeah. And you can see, of course, the st- stadium is not as modern, okay? You know, the architecture is quite beautiful in terms of how it lines with local culture, tent-like system, you know, talking about the origins of this region, about the Bedouin and tent and things like that. But... On another perspective as well, it was quite, you know, a romantic juxtaposition, you can say, between, you know, the crowd, the sweat, the people smoking and vape and, you know, you had diesel fuels from a fuel truck and it's quite hot and sticky as well. The smell of the the, the flares going off, people so passionate. But at the end side, you see just an oasis of greenery. Uh, you know, it was quite beautiful, to be honest with you. And I did like that. And I'm hoping to watch the next big match, I think, on the 1st of December, uh, which will be interesting as well. But let's moving on. We're going on to see uh, the Premier League now. So if we're looking at the Premier League, guys, it's been 10, 10, day, 10 matches that we're in week 10, okay, uh, of the Premier League. And, you know, just to get your overall thoughts, um, Rahul, I'll come to you first. Um, you know, how do you think the teams have fared so far? And are there any crazy, unexpected, uh, you know, positions in the league, or has anyone surprised you, or you know, done anything like that? Yeah. Um, to be honest with you, um, week ten, most of the teams are there where we expect, but obviously, for sure, Spurs are leading the way. They they even won last night, so they played a game extra because it was a Friday night game. And they're actually, what, five points clear right now? So nobody expected that. When Harry Kane left, they thought they're gonna, everyone thought they are going to struggle. But, but for some reason, they seem to be playing as a team now. And, you know, a lot, lot of uh, uh, other players have picked it up, so which is really, really nice uh, to see. You know, your Madison's made a big difference as well. And so many other players in Tottenham, as they seem just to be gelling really, really well. So... Can they sustain it? That's a different question. But definitely, um, I don't think anyone 
um, expected this from Spurs. Everyone probably thought, you know, um, they would struggle. So that's for sure. They've been the standout team for sure. And, you know, the them and Arsenal are the only team unbeaten at this moment in time. Um, you know, week game week ten, so that's quite impressive. Um, they seem to be gaining in the grinding out the results. You know, generally fairly comfortably. So yeah, um, Spurs definitely you know leading the way. And but the thing with Man City as well, though, normally they have a slow start, but they've not really had a slow start. Even though they lost two games, they've lost two games so far, but they're still second. And you know. Uh, Assuming they they'll win today or this weekend, will they win? We'll have to see. They got a big game in the Manchester derby, um, but you know most neutral people probably expect them to win. Uh, Man City are second place expected. You know Arsenal playing good football for sure, but we'll see where they end end up at the end of the season. You know my team Liverpool. Um, Liverpool have been a surprise for me a little bit. I actually because we're grinding out some results. Um, some ways where perhaps from the other people, uh, people that we've spoken to, people you know that we work with, our friends in Riyadh and other places, you know, there there's been a lot of criticism in Liverpool how apparently we're getting battered and stuff. But um, again, we've only lost one game. Generally speaking, you know, our goals, even Salah's leading the way, but our attackers, you know. Jotters, he's calling his fair share of goals. Nunes, Diaz, Gakpo, they're all contributing, which I really like. He's not just relying upon one player. Um, so it's really good to see. But um, just to, um, before Sona gives his views, um, Aston Villa, they're doing really, really well. Newcastle uh, doing well as well. So it's, I think it's lining up how we expect it. But it's clearly not a top four anymore. It's not, you cannot say they're the top four. Who are the big four top fours? You know, traditionally, um, we know what it was, but there is no such, no such thing as top four. Top six, maybe, top seven, but it's, uh, the Premier League is it's really, really competitive. It's great to see. But look at Man United. Man United are eighth, but are they really playing that badly? Who knows? But Sonastat, uh, what are your views? Yeah, man, the season. First of all, I didn't expect um, Spurs to be on top of the league. I thought they would struggle. But you know, sometimes when a big player leaves a club, other players start taking responsibility, start sharing the responsibility, or they start to flourish. You know, like you have your... I know Son was flourishing. Now he's not the... He's like one of the main players, him and Madison. So... Yeah, and they're playing really good football, man. And uh, their manager really surprised me because he came from Celtic and I thought he struggled in the Premier League. You know, it won't be a walk in the park for him. But right now, are they in a honeymoon period? Who knows? Uh, regarding the other teams, you know, Man City is Man City. You know, they lose a game, but they'll come back. Um, you see Arsenal, they've improved, obviously. Declan Rice now, no one's talking about his, um, his uh, price tag anymore. Uh, with Manchester United, unfortunately, right now with this ownership thing that is going on, they like and what's happening with Onana. I mean, people can just shoot on target against Man United and score right now. You know, he's like I think his first few games was seven shots. Was it ten shots on target? Seven goals. I mean, it's really worrying. Not just for the defense, but 
I mean, for him as well. But I'm glad that he redeemed himself in the Champions League. So yeah, and then is and then you have uh, Brighton who started the season really well, but then they went downhill where they lost six one, I believe, to Aston Villa, which is a really a real real surprise. And then you have Newcastle like I'm. I'm for Newcastle to support the argument, they had Liverpool and Man City. I believe they should have beaten Liverpool because I think Liverpool had a player sent off. So I believe that they should have won that game. But they were very slow starters, but now they're picking up. Picking up. Uh, I hope United does the same thing as well because it can't continue like this. So, Rahul, um, let me ask you, you know, looking at the positions at the moment, I know some of them are a bit surprising and stuff like that, yeah? So we see, for example, Tottenham being first. I don't think you would have expected that. But I want to ask you, both of you, I'll start with you, Rahul, first. Um, Chelsea being 10th. And if I ask you a question straight away, don't think about it, okay? And then give me your reasons afterwards. Did you expect Chelsea to be 10th okay. at this point in the season? Yes, but let me elaborate quickly. Um, I actually... About this time, I expect in this uh, in week uh, game week ten, I expect them to be about, about ten. But I knew they'll have a very very slow start because they had signed so many players. They needed to gel. They had a lot of injuries. But the last three game weeks, uh, I sooner you can confirm. But I think they've won two and drawn one, so they seem to be slowly getting into shape and getting gelling as a as a as a, as a club. Um, I watched them against Arsenal. I thought they played fairly well. I thought Arsenal were very, very lucky to get a point. But, you know, that's a sign of a great team as well for Arsenal to get a point when they were out of the game. But Chelsea played really, really well against, you know, one of the best teams in the league. So I think they're slowly getting there. So I think they slowly will climb. I don't expect them to finish the season 10th, though, for sure. But I think they're definitely getting there and they're gelling and they've got players coming back for injury and Pochettino, so, sorry, Potts has got his uh, got things working slowly and getting the message across for sure. Okay, so Rahul, basically, it's not that you, you you. I could understand your reasons. You were mentioning that okay, because so much investment has come in, a lot of and the club has changed as well, and it's not easy, for example, to have rapid uh, a start or start changing and start making an impact on the on the league straight away or in terms of the position. But you do expect them to. Hire, finish much higher uh, because the quality is sound enough. And as long as everybody's buying into the philosophy uh, of how the club is going the direction, then in this season, each season will probably get better. Is that my understanding of what you were saying? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you summarized it really well. That's that's exactly what I'm thinking. Okay. Now, Sanasa, if I, you know, to get your impressions of Chelsea, because we already have focus on Chelsea in this podcast, but if you could just summarize where you think... Um, they are at the moment and this is somewhere that you probably perhaps expected them to be or did you expect them to be higher or lower? Um, I knew they had their difficulties. They've got so many, um, they spent so much money on players. I mean, their team, I think they're catching up now. They may finish a bit higher, but I don't think they'll finish top four. Okay, interesting. And look, um, just a quick question, Rahel. If Liverpool were to play, Liverpool, your team, were to play Chelsea, you would still not be as confident of getting a win. I would say confident, maybe, you know, but it's not like, oh, Chelsea are done deal, you're just going to beat them. Am I correct? It's not a done deal, for sure. I think they're getting the act together and they showed that against Arsenal. I think we'll beat them, um, but you won't be as comfortable as we thought it might be. Sanestar? Um it depends where it is. If it's in Old Trafford, uh, right now, no. I think both teams are not 
not not as uh, not they're not that great. So you'll expect a draw probably. That's if uh, <laughs> if they don't get a shot on Tiger or Nana. Okay. Now the thing is, look before we going on to summarizing, we've just closed the subject of about Premier League quarter way round it. Okay, and there was a significant story in football world with the passing away of Bobby Charlton. Okay, now Bobby Charlton, you know, legendary player. I remember Pele speaking about him in the playing days as well. Uh, you know, Man United legend, always a feature at Old Trafford. Um, one of the ones who was like living up to that point. Um, survivor of the Munich Air disaster, won the European Cup in 68, 67, 68. Um, three, uh, you know, league titles, FA Cups, uh, European Championship, third place for England as well, and a World Cup winner. Now, he was a very, very, very skillful player. And, you know, talking about your view on him, uh, of course, we didn't live in that era. We haven't seen him play alive, but watching clips and stuff, um, uh, Sanastat, um, how high do you uh, see him in, you know, the hall of fame, according to English players uh, that have played for the game? I mean, he's one of the most elite English players of all time. You know, he... he um, if you look at him, I mean, he is like what Frank Beckenbauer to Bayern Munich uh, is for Man United. So Bobby Charlton is Manchester United. And uh, he is one of the only players to win the Champions League, the European Cup and the Ballon d'Or as an Englishman. And he scored about 249 goals. Um, his, his left foot, right foot, you don't know which uh, foot he'll shoot with. And he can dribble, man. I mean, remember those days, if you look at the clips of the 60s, the pitch was muddy. It's very difficult to take on players. You, you know, like the tackling was much harder than it is right now. So, yeah, he's a great player, man. I mean, he scored 49 goals for England and it took about, what, 50 years to break that record? I mean, yeah, I still remember Gary Lineker, you know, yeah, he missed um, that being penalty, disappointed. Guess, yeah. yeah, yeah, he missed that penalty because otherwise he would have equaled it. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's the only, only four English players that ever won the Ballon d'Or. It's him, Stanley uh, Matthews, Matthews. Uh, Kevin yeah. Keegan and Michael Owen. I mean, yeah, so that's, that's, that's a great achievement. But he's the only one that won the World Cup and the European Cup with, to add to that. Yeah. Now, what about yourself, Rahul? Because, you know, um, what's your impressions? Of course, you know, looking at it, we know how, how much of a legendary player he was. And sometimes what happens is when we're not from that era, um, when someone passes away, uh, a legendary player like that, you got a lot of coverage in the media and stuff like that, that where you discover new things about a player. Um, I personally didn't know that he won the Ballon d'Or. You know, Sanestat uh, mentioned this. Um, what do you find interesting about... Um, Bobby Charlton's career I think um, um, just uh, there's not much I can say about his career what Sun hasn't mentioned but one thing I found quite interesting was uh, I think it was between 1960 and 69 he the he, he was in the top 10 um, Ballon d'Or winner shortlist every single season so you can see how consistent he was and I think from 60 to 65 he was in the top 5 so that just really? shows uh, that, so yeah so, so again can you just mention that again sorry I didn't yeah, hear you from so which, which years from 1960 to 69 he was in the top 10 in every single season top 10 Ballon d'Or you know the ranking and from 60 to 65 he was in the top 5 
you know, so you can tell like he so he was very very consistent, you know, during his you know formative years, early years in terms of how good he was. He was you know for nine seasons consecutive, he was in the top ten, but you know the uh, best players in the world. And so that shows how consistent he was. And for five years, he was in the top five. So you can see how good he was um, in terms of playing-wise. And another thing, I, you know, I, um, I forgot, who, um, I was watching one of the podcasts that were mentioning about, you know, paying a tribute to Bobby Charlton and they're saying like, and he had a, such a great shot in long-range efforts. Um, those days, you know, the balls were very, very different. They didn't, you know, they never used to swerve. He couldn't hit it that easily. But he had a bit of a hammer in him where he could, you know, his long-range shots, he was really, really known for them. And I think he made a famous quote, like, if you don't know what to do with the ball, just hit it as hard as you can. And he actually came out with, you know, like that. And he was known for his shots. And just the other thing I'd like to mention as well, away from football, he really carried himself really well. You can tell with his persona, what he did for football, what he did for Manchester United. You know, he was a great ambassador all round. He did a lot of charity work. You know, he played a really, really great role. He, you know... He he was man of integrity. You can tell, man of principle, man of moral. He taught um, a lot of the you know the class of ninety two what it means to be a Man United player. So one thing I, I remember, I just watching. So I quickly mentioned this as well here. Um, Guy Neville mentioned something that I think they were up a six nil against one of the teams. And in the last minute, Gary Neville went for a crunching tackle, took a player out, got booked. And Gary Neville, you know, he thought, yeah, he's done well. He going till the last minute, got the crowd still singing his name because he's flying into tackles in the last minute. And um, so you, we saw that quite clearly. But what uh, Bobby Charlton did after the game, he said, like, he took him aside, like, son, you know, you don't do that. Hmm? You don't do that. Manchester United players don't do that. You don't, you know, you're, when you're 6-0 up, you don't go into, you you, you, you know, you kind of hold yourself a little bit. You don't need to go into tackles. You Man United players don't do that. This is not what should get Manchester United players, you know, that's not what should get them going. So it shows a sense of dignity, a sense of, you know, responsibility the players should have. Um, Sanastar, interesting thing is talking about, you know, one of the most uh, gifted and uh, players that have achieved the most in the, you know, amongst the English players uh, in history. There was an interesting question that came up yesterday. Okay. And I've got my view and uh, Rahul's got his view as well. We were discussing this, but we were talking pre-match before we went to the match yesterday. And one of our friends, we all know him. Um, he came up with a question. He says, Rooney or Gaza? So I'm going to, for for me myself and for Rahul, there wasn't even a competition related to that. And with, that's with all due respect that we will possibly tell you why. Um, but I want to ask you your your view. If I were to ask you, Rooney or Gaza, who would it be? Ooh, why are you gonna do me like that, man? Um, because you know what it is? It's actually it was a very, very good question. But there's two ways possibly to look at it. Yeah, it is a good question. It's, it's, a, it's a very good question. I'm going to talk about like, I'm going to go Gascoigne. Okay. Now, that was exactly the same choice that Rahul okay, and I uh, said as well. Now, is this not disrespect to Rooney? Rooney achieved much more in football, no doubt about that. And obviously, you know, with England as well. But in terms of technical ability, uh, 
you know, we myself and Rehul were discussing this as well. Um, Gaza was probably the most technically gifted and talented player. And perhaps we can talk about this in another podcast episode. It's just a side point of what I mentioned and ask you uh, about that. But okay, now let's go but on. You know what? When it comes to longevity, man, Rooney, Rooney, he's done it for a long, for a longer time than Gascoigne. You know what is actually this is going to be an interesting topic for a future podcast episode. So hopefully we can discuss this in a bit more detail and talk yeah. about criteria and stuff like that. But looking at the Champions League now, okay, uh, an overview of the Champions League. Rahel, um, what, what's been your impressions of how the Champions League's gone on? Okay, with a particular focus on uh, the clubs who are from the Premier League. So, you know, what, what are your initial impressions? Um, initial impression is generally um, City doing what we expected. Arsenal, you know, um, six points out of nine. It's not too bad. They lost one. May perhaps they should have won that game. But most impressive, obviously, have been Newcastle, where they got two big wins. And they beat PSG. And who did they beat on day one? Um, Sona, who did they beat on the day one? Do you remember? No, they drew to um, uh, Milan. Oh, they drew, yes. And the last game... They drew, so they only they only got four points. Uh, yeah, and they and they lost and they lost to Dortmund. One. Yeah, they got four points. Yeah, so like I was saying, so in that group, I think that's uh, I think Newcastle is that's probably the toughest group, with the group that Newcastle in because PSG on six points, Dortmund on four, and Newcastle on four. I think that's uh, it's a really I before, when we looked at it, it looked like a really really tough group anyway. Um, so you know the um, that's if that's confirmed it. It's a tough group. I think Newcastle will do well to get out of it. And there's three good teams there, um, four good teams really, if you put Milan in there as well. And in terms of Manchester United, oh, I think they're the one who are struggling. I, to be honest with you, I predicted initially that they won't get out of the group. I actually thought Galatasaray will do well. Um, I expected Galatasaray, I didn't think Galatasaray going to beat them away um, in terms of in, or, at Old Trafford, um, but they beat them away. Um, United just about, you know, in the last minute, Manchester saves themselves, uh, get three points against Copenhagen, where Onana became the hero for once, and saved a last-minute penalty. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Uh, regarding Onana, man, I mean, I'm re- really happy for him. He saved that penalty. He showed his mentality, to be honest, in that game. And the Maguire goal, you know, he's not fan favourite, but it looks like he's got... One thing you have to give to Harry Maguire is his, that his mentality. You know, he, he became a meme, to be honest, and... Uh, and you know people have been attacking him so much. Sometimes it goes over football. Uh, sometimes it feels like it's a personal attack rather than football uh, ability. So that's good that he scored a goal. It might be a turning point for Man United. Hopefully, it is a turning point. So I hope so. But I'm also, I mean, looking at um, Newcastle's um, group. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, PSG. I mean, they they look like they. They they coming back to it where they beat AC Milan three 0 I mean the player Emre, I mean the guy in midfield. I mean he's the top assist right now in Champions League with three. So I'm you know looking. For, it looks like a very open Champions League this year. I mean, and look at Bellingham, man. I mean he's just. I mean wow, man, what a player Bellingham is, man. He's scoring every game. I think he's man. He's been man in match for about nine games now. So he's looking like a very world-class player. He looks very comfortable with a Real Madrid shirt. Uh, what do you think, Doc? 
Yeah, I mean, it's quite phenomenal uh, the progress that he's made uh, so far. Okay, he's just looked like that. He's just came in Real Madrid, he's owned the shirt, Bernabeu's his home. Um, he's soaking it in, soaking it in, and um, you know he's just exceeding most people's expectations. I believe so. You know, good on Bellingham um, for being successful at Real Madrid um, from a footballing perspective. So, Rahul, I want to ask you something. Yeah, one of our No Limits Football Podcast team members have uh, you know he's been doing this um, team of the week thing. So, I just want to give ask you to give me a quick summary. But I think you're talking about someone that you really, really do hold close to your heart having an achievement um tell us about this achievement okay quickly as we were just talking about europe it's not champions league essentially but you're talking about european football uh, most of our listeners will know but it's a big shout out to mo salah who's now the record goal scorer based playing for an english club where it's called 43 uh, 43 goals in europe before it was uh, Thierry Henry had the uh, honor of 42 goals so uh, Mo Salah just broke it um, on Thursday night playing against Toulouse where he's now scored 43 so he's, he's the most high scorer for British based club um, to score in Europe so on 43 so yeah um, that's the little shout out to Mo Salah What about the team of the week um, you, you know just introduce and, our listeners briefly to our you know um, the NLFP's version of Garth Crooks Yep. Okay. So quickly, um, what we do have is um, most of our, if you're following our social media accounts, um, uh, you'll see that we, one of our team members uh, at so for a strategist, he gives releases his Premier League team of the week every single week, and it's a, it's a question which I want to ask the viewers. You know, uh, please do comment in the comment section when we release the episode, and uh, one of our you know our, uh, members he clearly claimed that um i one thing i realized is there's no players on the from the losing team in the team of the week which i said you know is that fair though you know can that be fair um you might have a really really good game a keeper can have a good game then sonastar himself he said that a goalkeeper who can see there was a goalkeeper and Sunnestar can defend himself uh, if he wants to. A goalkeeper, uh, Van der Sar, um, when whilst playing for Fulham, I think he conceded four goals. He should be in the team. He should have been in the team of the week. And I said, no, 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 no. Irrespective of what you say, a player. No, no, not like that. No, 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 no. No, no, I didn't say that. I didn't say. Let that. me finish. Let me finish. Let me, let me, let me finish. Let me finish. All I'm saying. So basically, a, a goalkeeper who concedes four goals, irrespective of how much of a blinder he had, cannot be in team of the week. So Sonosta, feel free to clarify, say I'm wrong, or defend in your claim. That that was a few weeks back, right? When I said uh, regarding Van der yep. Sar. We all know Van der Sar is a world-class goalkeeper. I don't know how he ended up in Fulham, but anyway, that's uh, irrelevant. There was a game that he had a very, very good game. Unfortunately, he conceded four goals, but does does not mean uh, he had a bad game. It's just a team that he was in was going to concede four goals. That's why he ended up going to... Man United because they realized that, that this guy was actually a very good goalkeeper. It's just in a in a in a mid table team, and I think he 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 had a man of, man of the matches performance in that game. But you, what we were saying, you were saying so. Your argument was that day. I'm not 
I'm not discrediting Van der Sar by the way. One of the greatest keepers I've ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no doubt. I'm not yeah. discrediting Van der Sar. So please, United fans or anyone, don't think this attack on United. It's not. Van der Sar is a great keeper, and that's not the discussion here at all. And he was at so, Fulham at that time, anyway. Yeah, but you know, he went on to play for Man United. A great keeper, no doubt. You know, one of the greatest yeah, yeah. for sure. So my my question that day was, you know. You said a keeper, who, you know, even though he scored four, he can easily be in team of the week. But my point conceded was, goal, yeah, yeah. Any keeper, yeah, doesn't matter how, how 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 great he is, he can't go in the team of the week ethically, morally. It just doesn't work. Uh, Doc, would you have an opinion on this? No, I think um, at the moment it's not important to express my opinion because I think this is such a long topic. But I do understand how it can cause controversy as well. Um, but I think, you know, at the moment, I think you guys have voiced something, which something that possibly that we can discuss uh, when we do have time in a future podcast episode. But just quickly to close off, if you, just final thoughts on Abara. Um, coming back onto Saudi Arabia, we started off with the Saudi League and talking about uh, Cristiano Ronaldo's form. So I just want you to give me your views related to Cristiano Ronaldo's form for um, and Nasser for in, in the Saudi Pro League. Just give me a summary related to that. I mean, you know what? He's an ultimate professional, as you all know. I mean, his mentality is different, man. I mean, he doesn't like losing games, man. And if you look at him, what, 19, 20 goals in 19 games uh, this season? I mean, he's he's not taking it, uh, he's taking it seriously, man. He's taking it, like, he, every game that he plays is very competitive. He wants to win. You know, he still has that hunger, whether it's a Saudi league, Europe, doesn't matter. He'll always score goals. Okay. And I'm sure you're looking forward to uh, watching him, uh, Rahal. Have you seen Ronaldo play live uh, before? I have. I've actually seen him um, in Saudi Arabia when he played against Juventus in the cup final. Uh, Juventus played Lazio and Lazio actually beat them, um, what I remember. So I've seen him live in Saudi Arabia but playing for Juventus. I'm actually, to be honest, I'm looking forward to play watching Cristiano himself. Um, I've always said this uh, publicly, you know, the debate between Cristiano and Ronaldo. Um, I've always been there. Ronaldo. I've always been team Ronaldo for my own reasons. I just think he's an athlete and and, you know, you can see where he's come from and where he is today, that he's worked hard for it, which I like about him for sure. So I'm looking forward to watching Cristiano. And for just to quickly, just to sum up what his, uh, his performance is, he's been playing really, really well. And he, clearly you can see he's, a, he's having an effect on his teammates. He's, um, the, there was an article recently about the Nasser nutritionist. He was saying how much of an impact and um, the, he's having rubbing off on his teammates in terms of what he eats, how he conducts himself. Um, all the players are following his footsteps. It's great. He's been a great ambassador for Saudi football for sure. And I'm looking forward to watching him on Tuesday night. Okay, Rahul, and I hope uh, you do enjoy that experience. Now, uh, thanks a lot, Rahul and um, Sanastat for. Uh, joining me in this podcast episode really do appreciate listeners uh, make sure you do spread the words um, follow our social medias and see you guys in the next one